to look for similarities, to look for proof points where they were resilient, they were confident, because a lot of it just is that mindset to say, you know, I figured this out before, which means I can figure this out too. Hey there, it's Angela, and I'm so glad you found your way here to architecting. Creative careers can be stressful and it's hard to be vulnerable, but this is your landing pad for raw honesty. I'll help you get clarity, reconnect with your passion, and have the career of your dreams. If you're ready to make a difference, have an impact, and say bye-bye to burnout, stick with me and let's get architecting. Hi, Bright Lights. Welcome back to architecting today i have as my guest whitney alexandra hi whitney hi thanks for having me oh you are so welcome i'm really excited to hear from you today because a lot of your work as a personal and a life coach is about helping people have that non-negotiable inevitable success that they were destined for and that is so much of what we try to help people do in the community of architecting is realizing that your dreams are absolutely what you should be doing, not something crazy that you should put aside. I always like to have my guests share their life path because it's really easy when someone is successful to say, well, of course, of course they <laughs> made it. But the path to get there is not always that easy. And there's lots of moments where you could have had self-doubt or you could have played small. I would love it if you would share your story of how you got to do what you're doing and became so successful with it. Yeah, happy to. And you know, you say you could have played small and you could have let some of those fears hold you back. I did, right? And I think that's the story for so many, just because you've chosen that one time or you've been in you know, a, a role or a place or something like that, it doesn't mean that you can't make a new choice even starting today. And so for me, I really fell into what I'm doing as a performance coach. I started working with a bunch of accountants who you would not think, <laughs> who you would not think would be hiring somebody like me, but I really started working with them to grow their business, to see the potential, to help them position themselves as experts. And at that time, they called it marketing. Now I know that it's really performance coaching, helping them to build their business and really see what's possible. But for me, I really stayed behind the scenes in business for at least 10 years. And it wasn't until I had, you know, my dream job that basically fell apart. I was like, this is the thing. This is the dream. And it fell apart. The company ended up being sold, chopped into parts. And I was sort of left like, okay, what am I supposed to do now? And it wasn't until everything kind of fell apart that I really fell into what I'm doing now and really started working with entrepreneurs, specifically women entrepreneurs. I work with it a lot. And yeah, so it's been 10 years of working with entrepreneurs. I love it. I would not do anything else in the world. <laughs> so yeah, it's very much a story of everything collapsing and holding on to the good parts that are left and really putting your energy into that future possibility. 
Yeah, those tower moments. So you and I were talking a little bit about astrology and numerology and maybe tarot too. And people may know I'm also a feng shui practitioner. In tarot, there's that card, the tower. And it kind of represents that moment of reckoning where you're being called to be the phoenix rising from the ashes and what you thought you had built kind of falls apart. A lot of people live their whole life in fear of that tower moment, but it sounds like you embraced it. Can you talk a little bit about why those moments are so important and actually the key to unlocking success? Yes. You know, I've had a couple of tower moments <laughs> and it is that time where you look around and you're like, I'm working so hard to keep everything together. And what would happen if I just let go for a minute, right? And I really believe that those are the moments where you're really into the flow and alignment of like, what is really meant for me is going to present itself or still be here, still be standing. For me, it was knowing that the things falling apart, that there was something better that was coming for me, even though that's really hard in the moment. It's easy to say on the other side, but certainly having enough proof points, having had it a couple of times now to know that there's always something way better than you could have imagined on the other side, no matter how difficult the circumstances are. For me, it's really just having that mindset and also powering through, like focusing on the good stuff and really like one day at a time, one foot in front of another, just go. When we are ready to evolve, to take that next step, we get lots of clues. And a lot of times we don't pay attention to them. And yes. <laughs> then the clues get a little more intensified until we have that tower moment. So sometimes if we're afraid of the tower moment, what we're not seeing is that it could have been a lot less painful. <laughs> Yes. But we've been so risk adverse for so long that we brought it to that point where it was inevitable that something that wasn't working for us had to collapse. Yes. Yes. You're so right. We often make it so much more difficult than it needs to be. I often think of it as like that little nudge or a little whisper that you get saying, this isn't it. And you know, it's true, but sometimes you're so deep into it. You're so committed or you're looking around thinking, well, what would people think if I changed, if I made a different decision, if I chose this new path? And so, so much of it can be like, not only how you're feeling, but how you think others are going to perceive that change too. I think it's interesting that you said you got started by helping people with marketing because marketing seems so safe, right? I mean, we all know we need to do it. It's good for business. It seems practical, but you quickly realized that marketing was about so much more than just winning work or selling products. So can you talk a little bit more about how you made that transition with your clients and what kinds of aha moments you started to see them have. Yeah, I think, you know, a big thing that I always am talking with clients about is creating some of the proof points that you need in your business or need in your life. And so having these little moments, these wins that you can celebrate that 
build up that confidence and build up what I call a success muscle. So, you know, it's similar to if you're someone who likes to run or likes to work out, then you often know, okay, I, I ran two miles, which means I can probably run three and I can probably run four and I can probably run five. And slowly you can kind of build your yourself up. And it's no different when it comes to building a practice, building the life that you desire. It's a success muscle too. You're showing yourself that, okay, I've got all of this proof that I can make it happen. Even if it is coming from a different area of your life, we're so quick to say, well, no, that's what I do over here. When really those examples are applicable everywhere. That's like your unique DNA that you can use across every part of your life you know, a key message for people to take away is like, not to compartmentalize so many different parts of their life, but to look for similarities to look for proof points where they were resilient, they were confident, because a lot of it just is that mindset to say, you know, I figured this out before, which means I can figure this out too. Yeah, it's that sort of how you do anything is how you do everything. But it's surprising how murky it is to find our through line. What are some ways that you help people to get that clarity around their why and their purpose? Yeah, I think so much of what it is, is that inner monologue, right? And it can either be that inner critic who's saying, who are you to do this? And do you really think blah, 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 it's awful. And so a lot of it can be just building up what I call the inner champion. So someone who has a really strong dialogue, who has an understanding of who you are and what's possible, because it's so easy for that inner critic to just take over. And so, you know, a lot of what I do is really helping people see not only that those subconscious parts of them are lying, <laughs> right? Quite often we're looking and, and saying, okay, that's fake news. That's not real. And so being able to dissect some of those past experiences and stories and thoughts and beliefs that they have around, you know, either a part of their life or just about them in general, being able to dissect that. But I found it's really powerful if you can marry it with a strong strategy. So knowing that, okay, we've got the mindset piece taken care of, but let's also talk about the practical side of things so that it doesn't just feel like a good idea but feels like something that you see on paper and your logical part of your mind is saying, oh, I guess that is possible. I guess it is easy. And so I really love to have the two working on one goal and we just kind of attack them in a little bit of a different way. You're making it doable, making it logical, making it kind of inevitable because I don't know if you see this in your community, but I know definitely in the world of creative professionals and architects, overwhelm, stress, and burnout are kind of the name of the game. And they're almost worn like a badge of mm. honor, but that's exhausting. And from that place of exhaustion, you really can't create. You're going to do what you know works and you're not going to want to take on confrontations, conflict, challenge, etc. Are you seeing that too as like a bigger theme in the world of coaching? Yeah, absolutely. I think burnout and that busyness is worn as such a badge, no matter who you are, right? Whether you're a professional, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you have kids, you don't have kids, everyone is thinking like, oh, I'm so busy and wearing that as a badge. 
And it's sort of like the complete opposite of how I like to work which really throws people for a loop, right? When they hire a performance coach, they think that I'm really going to be on them saying, okay, where is this? What have you done? And a little bit of that is true, but it's not all true. I really love people to get back to a place where they can find that creative spark, where they can lean into a life that they really desire. They have enough time that they can really enjoy their life. I work with quite a few creative entrepreneurs that run creative businesses, and that has been a complete game changer for them just to see like, oh, you mean I get to have this painting class and I get to do this photography later? And I still am booked out for months in advance, or I still am having my best year yet. And so it's really adding a lot more of the creativity back. And so often I find with artists, you know, we're asking our art to make us money and there's a tension there, right? No matter the mm. type of creative professional, it's, there's this part that's like, should you really be making this much money doing something you love and something that's easy? Whoa, right? And so it really is sort of overriding some of those old stories and things that are are common for an industry of professionals. So that sort of feeling of all artists not making money or being broke, it's impossible to earn a living as an artist, which is all fake news. Being okay to set down that identity and really create something new is something that I work really closely with clients on as well. Yeah. And that idea of being a sellout I mean, that is huge. And it's just one more of the limiting beliefs that block success is that somehow your integrity goes away if you know your worth. Yeah, it's so true. It's like we could talk about limiting beliefs all day. <laughs> and often what I find is even when you cover one, that sneaky little belief will come back in a different way and it'll manifest in a different way. It'll show up in a different way, whether you're you know, not putting yourself out there. So visibility might be a thing, whether you're not sending invoices, that's also a money block, right? And so, so often we think, oh, well, you know, that's just admin. No, that's like a wealth block. That's a success block. And so, you know, having those regular practices and becoming more comfortable with money is a really big thing for all entrepreneurs, all professionals. If you don't love money, you're not going to make more of it. I promise you. If you make more, you're not going to keep it. So the importance of going back and really leaning in and reframing those beliefs. What do you think is the biggest limiting belief and how do you help people to move past it? I think the biggest belief I hear from people, all professionals, I'm not good enough. Mm. Yeah, the imposter. Yes. I'm not good enough. This isn't good enough. My work's not good enough. Good enough is something that absolutely every person on this planet feels and thinks. Sometimes it's just for a moment and then you remember who you are. You're like, oh, of course I'm good enough, right? Of course I'm worthy. Of course this is amazing. But everyone does have that shared belief and we go into stories so often about why we're not good enough this time, right? And what it would take for it to be good enough next time. Some of that is really what drives, I think, artists of all kinds to iterate and improve their work. So there is a little bit of that that I think is healthy, that continues just to drive more performance. 
But when you're stuck there for too long, or not taking action from a place of feeling like you're enough, then that's where things get alarming. And I think there's also in a creative profession, it starts with the education process, which is usually a studio kind of environment where you're making something that you then present for critique. Of course, the job of the critic is to poke holes in whatever you did. And like you said, the intent is to help you grow and improve. But often what we internalize is that feeling that we are worth less. It persists throughout our professional life and even into our personal life and makes us feel like we have to work really hard to earn success, which is the money thing you talked about, but also makes us not want to be seen, which is another thing you talked about because of this fear of having our flaws or lack of ability or lack of mastery exposed. I think that is a huge challenge and it goes with the who am I to do this thinking and it really does, I think, cheat the world out of what you have to offer. You know, this idea that if I only know 5% more than somebody else, I could still help them. Mm -hmm. I could still make a difference. But that myth of the expert, which doesn't really exist, it's like chasing perfection can be a tough one to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. I think you touched on so many amazing points there that feeling like you need to be the expert when really you have a totally unique perspective. Look at how many amazing artists are out there that have their totally unique style that some art teacher back in the day was like, no, you don't have it. (laughs) You know, and I think so often we're looking for outside validation of work that we're doing, even for entrepreneurs that are more business focused, it's, am I selling? Is my work worth it? And tying your results to a sale or not, you know, I think so often people have had this track record. I picked on the art teacher, but there are many art teachers and parents out there that you could pick on equally. You know, I think every artist of any kind, every creative person that looks back in their life can point back to a teacher, a parent, a friend, someone who said, "Mm, I don't really see it. I don't really like it didn't get the vision. And the thing is, people aren't going to get it until they get it. And if you're coming, as so many creative people are with this unique perspective in the world and a unique view of how you want to bring your art to life, people aren't going to understand it and you have to do it anyways. And that's a really hard one for people to embrace doing your own thing anyway. There's so much power in just being able to like be you. Say more about that because that is a really important thing. And I think we do, as you said, look for that validation. And when we don't get it, we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'd love it if you talk more about the value of the persistence, yet the ability to course correct. Yeah, no, I think there is it's such a dance between the two outcomes, right? Because you want to be taking in feedback. So let's say you're a creative professional, you're any kind of business owner and you're okay. People aren't buying. Why might that be? Is it because of the quality? And so I think really getting to a place where you can be more objective 
in looking at the work. Okay, I think the work was technically done right. All right, you know, where did it not meet some of these marks and really removing some of the emotion from it can be really helpful. Even just starting to ask more helpful questions. So when you hear things like, well, this isn't good enough. Who are you to do this? Okay, well, is that true? Am I really not good enough at what I gave? No, that's not true. Okay, it just wasn't this person's taste. And I think some of that aesthetic, people are absorbing creative ideas from all around them. They're getting more comfortable with new design aesthetics that come in. And so they are comfortable because they've seen it before. And it's like repetition in the world Mm. with anything. It's like, you know, you say these affirmations, you're going to become more comfortable. You repeat something awful to yourself, that's going to become more comfortable. If you want to really stretch yourself, it's an enlightening experience. Okay. So going in front of a mirror and telling yourself five amazing things about yourself And then flip the script and come up with the five worst things that you say and notice the way that they feel in the body is so different. We are so uncomfortable saying like, wow, you are incredible. I am so proud of you. You are an amazing entrepreneur, whatever the wonderful things you want to say that feels uncomfortable. And that should tell you everything you need to know. We are so comfortable critiquing ourselves. And we hear that inner critic all day, every day, that when it comes time to receiving compliments, even if you're giving them to yourself, it's uncomfortable for people. And, you know, I think so often we are not used to receiving. We're not used to receiving the income we desire. We're not used to receiving like exactly what we want. So when, you know, you put out those grand ideas to the universe and you manifest these amazing things because you're also working hard and you're an expert and they come back and we're like, oh, wait a minute, that was too easy. This block about receiving and letting things really be easy is one that comes up all the time as well. It's a very telling exercise for anyone that wants to do a little bit of mirror work really seeing, you know, what is the difference in the body? And of course, saying more good things to yourself is going to start to feel more comfortable. And then you'll start to believe them. Even if you already know they're true, there's a difference between knowing they're true and really feeling that they are true for you. I love that. I'm going to try that. You know, we've all heard of affirmations, but I think really the somatic experience of what we're hearing, being fully grounded in our body is something that a lot of us are not used to. We're used to being burdened by our body. Oh, I have to take some Advil so I can keep working because I'm in pain versus saying, what is my body trying to tell me? But also using our body to guide our intuition of what feels good, what doesn't feel good. You also talked a little bit about this idea of being a good person. If we're a good person, we're humble. So mm-hmm. that, that that feeling of being judged, or if I say I'm this good, then people will try to take me down versus if I downplay myself and they agree with me, okay, and maybe they'll disagree with me and validate me. So there can be a little bit of fishing even going on there. 
Yeah. Yeah. It can definitely be fishing as well. I think so often we're, we're used to, okay, you pay me a compliment and I'm going to pay you one right back. Mm -hmm. You know, you paid for this. I'm going to split the check with you. Right. And we sort of block all of this prosperity and the things that we're like meant to receive. And so where I really love to encourage people is to get to a place where you can just be in receive mode, right? Someone pays you a compliment thank you. And you're not downplaying it by like, oh, this old thing, or no, I just threw this together. You're not downplaying it. You're simply just receiving the compliment for what it is. Those are just some small things that you can do, but it shows up everywhere. It shows up when we discount our work because we don't think that anyone should pay full price, or we get uncomfortable with sending an invoice, it shows up everywhere. And it's so interesting that like block, I always tell people don't block prosperity, (laughs) right? Don't block prosperity. If I want to buy them a coffee, like that's my money. I choose to do this for you. And so don't block this prosperity and abundance. Who are you to tell the universe? Nope, I'm good. I've had enough. When so often we're thinking, I want to build my business and where is more income coming from? I think it also gets into competition. So many times when we're thinking about what should I charge for my services, we're dealing with being undercut by other people in the industry. And certainly in many business cases, you're interviewing for work and you are having to compete. The owner's talking to multiple businesses and is going to make a selection and price is going to factor into that. But Mm -hmm. it could be a race to the bottom where we're undermining our whole industry because we're saying, how low can I go to get the job? I'll do anything. And there's this desperation (laughs) that kind of starts to come into play, but it really is a big problem in many industries. Oh, I think that's a problem in every industry. People believe that if you've got the lowest price or if you just pile on services, that that should make it a no brainer and you're going to win the work. And that's not true. I really encourage people to look for the things that differentiate themselves to think about what they bring to the table that's totally unique and different, right? So in a world where you're thinking about design, you've got a unique design perspective. So watering it down to a place where it's the sameness doesn't help anyone and certainly doesn't help you and your creative gifts and building your business. And so I think being in that place of power to say, no, this is what my service is worth or this product is worth and here's why. And really being able to validate that for yourself. I I always think when you've got a strong enough why behind what you're doing, why your pricing is what it is, And also the value, right? So often we sort of detach the two of like, really, what is that return on their investment? What's it worth? And so really looking at things holistically across the board, but really diving into what differentiates you and why is it a different price to work with you? Or even reframing who your ideal client might be. There are the clients that don't value anything. They just want the most basic, cheapest solution. And you could have value arguments all day long and they don't care. 
But rather than bang your head up against the wall, trying to appease someone like that, we can let that go. And we can look for a client that will value it. Could you say a little bit about how you help people frame that ideal client so that they will be talking to an audience that is receptive to their value? Yeah, I think so often it comes back to the type of work that you love to do. I always think when you follow your joy, it's the right path for you. And so that ideal client that you love working with and you know, if somebody's new, new in their business and they're sort of in this place of like saying yes to everyone and they're not quite sure who the ideal client is, take a minute, work with a few different people, work with different projects, and then set a time limit. Maybe it's six months or three months or something like that to really lean into okay, who did I love working with or what projects did I love working on? And that clarity, like you said, on coming up with that ideal client is so powerful because your all of your marketing will change, your messaging will change, your price point will change, your level of happiness will change. <laughs> and so, you know, when I think about the women that I get to work with who are women entrepreneurs, they're growing their business from six to seven figures, and I love working with them. I love supporting them. And so to say like, oh, I'm just going to work with everyone doesn't light me up in the same way. And I'm sure that those clients also feel that same energy back. It is both sides. We're attracting those people and they are also attracted to us. But having clarity is really going to just unlock every other part of your business and make it a whole lot more joy-filled to go through your day and really build the business that you're passionate about. I really enjoyed our conversation today. There was just so much gold in everything that you said. So if people are interested in working with you and maybe reframing their approach to business, how can they learn more about you? How can they reach you? Yeah. So they can go on my website. It's WhitneyAlexandra.co. And I'm always on Instagram. So they can always send me a message or follow me on Instagram as well. I'm Whitney.Alexandra as a parting thought, what is the biggest message that you think people really need to hear in 2024 as they are planning their year so that they can be the best position for success? The message, you can have absolutely everything that you desire, full stop. You can have it all. And so if you're in a place where you are settling for what you think is possible or what you did last year, that's so last year, it's so boring. <laughs> Get to a place of lighting up your desire, your joy, and really just the sky is the limit. Build the business of your dreams and commit to it wholeheartedly because it can be yours and it can be a whole lot easier than you think. Amazing. Thank you again for chatting with me today. I really appreciated all of your insights. Everyone definitely follow Whitney, share your thoughts on this episode. I'm sure she would appreciate hearing from you. Consider her services because I think we all need to kind of realign our expectations so that we can unlock our greatness. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. For listening. If you want even more content, head on over to architectingpodcast.com and subscribe to my newsletter and get some great 
free downloads while you're there. Be sure to follow me on social media, on Instagram at Architecting Podcast, Facebook and LinkedIn pages are Architecting, and the YouTube channel, Architecting Podcast. Stay inspired. (laughs) 